And at this time, we want to say a big hearty welcome to all of you tuning in to Sunshine USA, especially our listeners on Spotify and Anchor FM and some of the other platforms that we broadcast on here at uh, Sunshine USA, including uh, platforms like uh, Google and also Apple. <laughs> Amen. So uh, I tell you, we're grateful for any and all platforms that we have because it helps us carry out the mission of Sunshine USA, which is to preach the gospel and teach the Bible. And uh, that is what I try to do every day here on Sunshine USA. Now, I do want to make a very special announcement to our listeners on Blog Talk Radio. On Blog Talk Radio, uh, we're going to begin... Uh, once again, my commentary through the Old Testament, starting with the book of Genesis and going right on through Malachi. Uh, and of course, on this platform, Anchor FM and Spotify, we're doing uh, a really a verse-by-verse study of the New Testament. And this will allow me to continuously teach both the Old Testament, as well as the New Testament. And so that would be very great. Now, um, I want us to um, take a look at Matthew, chapter number 7. And we're basically going to pick up this time where we left off last time. And um, let's see, Matthew chapter 7, starting with verse number 12. Therefore, all things whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. In other words, uh, what Jesus is telling his audience here is that if you took the law of Moses and the rest of what the Old Testament prophets had to say, you could sum it up very simply by saying, do unto others what you would have them do unto you. This is often referred to as the golden rule. You know, you treat other people the way that you yourself want to be treated. Now, if you have the proper Respect. if you're showing the proper respect towards others that you would have them to have towards you, you're not going to lie to them. You're not going to steal from them. You're not going to kill them. You know, you're not going to bear false witness against them. You're not going to be overly envious of what they have. <laughs> so you see, really, the whole Old Testament law really could be summed up by simply saying, do unto others the way that you would have them do unto you. Now, I'm afraid that in our society today, we get it all mixed up. We say we should do unto others before they do it unto us. But that's not what Jesus is teaching here. He says, basically, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And I think that it's fair to say 
that we should love our enemies. We should do good to them that do evil to us. We should say good things about those who say terrible things about us. <laughs> you know, that's the way we Christians are, ought to be. You know, it, it's very interesting. I, I don't know how many of you keep up with the political races around the country here in the United States, and I know that some of you live in countries where you keep up with the political events in your country. And, and it's so interesting that a lot of times uh, one candidate will say terrible things about his opponent, and that opponent will say terrible things about his opponent. But that's not biblical Christianity. Let me say that again. That is not biblical Christianity. When it comes to biblical Christianity, I want to think as highly of my opponent as I would like them to think about me. I'm going to say good things about them, even if they don't have such great things to say about me. You see, that's what I call the Bible in action. That's what I call the Christian, Christ, Christianity in action, the Christian life in action. We treat other people the way that we ourselves desire to be treated. Amen? Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Okay, now, let's read on. Jesus says, Enter you in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go therein. Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Now one of the things that I take note of in these two verses is the fact that Jesus teaches us, in effect, that the population of hell is going to be a lot bigger than the population of heaven. He says, few there be that find it. He talks about the straight gate, the narrow way. You know, we have a very popular teaching by the world today that says all roads lead to God. <laughs> you can get to heaven any number of different ways. But that's not what the Bible teaches. Jesus himself, over in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, points out, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now, if you want to <laughs> call that narrow-mindedness, make the most of it. Amen. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. One of the things I've always preached throughout my ministry is the fact that Jesus is the only way to get to heaven. You've got to be saved. You've got to be born again. For example, you're never going to make it to heaven by trying to be good enough. You can't be good enough to go to heaven. I mean, think about Mother Teresa, for example. Look at all the great good that she did for the hungry people that she lived upon. 
But you see, you can't do enough good deeds for God to say, okay, you did good, you're going to heaven. No, you weren't saved, but you, you did good things, so you're going to heaven. That's not what the Bible says. I mean, I could do good things every day of my life and still die and go to hell. It's humanly impossible to be good enough to go to heaven. In order for me to go to heaven, I have to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. There has to be that point where I say, Dear Lord, I admit that I'm a sinner. Lord, even at my best, I'm a dirty, rotten, filthy, stinking sinner. I admit it, Lord, and right now, Lord, I'm wanting you to come into my heart. I'm wanting you to forgive me of my sins. And I want you to give me a brand new life, and he will. But that's the only way you could go to heaven. I know some people that give a ton of money to the Lord through the church. Now, that's a good thing. I mean, churches need generous givers. Uh, there's no doubt about that. But the fact of the matter is, you cannot be good enough. You cannot be good enough to go to heaven. You can't give enough money to go to heaven. If, if I were rich and I could afford to give a million dollars a day to my church for the rest of my life, that would not be enough money to get me to heaven. As I say, the only way I can get to heaven, the only way you can go to heaven, the only way anybody can go to heaven, is by being saved, coming to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Works has nothing to do with it. You can't work your way into heaven. Amen. Now, I do believe, I do believe and I do teach that works enters into the picture once you are saved. Because you see, once you are saved, there's a lot of stuff you're going to do or not do because of the fact that you're saved. For example, uh, there are places that I will not go as a Christian. I won't go to bars. I won't go to nightclubs. And the reason for that is I don't believe that's the way God wants me to live. I don't drink alcoholic beverages. If you were to walk into my apartment right now and you were to look in my refrigerator, <laughs> you would find no alcoholic beverages there whatsoever. I just don't drink of the stuff. The only time that I ever had an alcoholic beverage was when I was a little boy. My parents took me to the doctor, and the doctor told them to give me some whiskey and honey. And one thing I remember about that experience, it tasted horrible. Now, in a way, that was a good thing. Because it tasted so horrible, I decided that when I was old enough to decide for myself, I decided I didn't want anything to do with alcohol. Because the only time that I had ever tasted it in my life was when my parents gave me whiskey and honey at the instruction of the doctor. And I can remember my dad. Now, my mom and dad both went to church and everything. And they didn't want anybody in the church to see them in a liquor store buying liquor. 
I mean, buying uh, whiskey. And so they would go way over to the other side of town to buy the whiskey because they did not want word to get out that they were patronizing a liquor store. But I thank God for that experience because it made me have such a mindset against alcohol. I never wanted to touch the stuff. Then, of course, later as I became a Christian, I realized that this is not something the Lord wanted me to have either. So I'm what you call today a teetotaler. I do not drink alcohol, even on special occasions. Now, you'll be amazed. You'll be amazed how many Christians tell me they participate in what they call social drinking. They don't drink on a regular basis or a daily basis, but they do drink on special occasions. I'm totally opposed to that. I don't do that. I uh, make it a point to refrain from any and all alcoholic beverages for any reason. Amen. Okay. Now let's go further. We come here to uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 15. He says, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they were ravening wolves. You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits you shall know them. Now, it's very interesting that Jesus would make the statement, by their fruits you shall know them. Uh, We talked yesterday about how it's not God's will for us to judge other people. And one of the reasons for that, of course, is because we're not in a position to know all the facts. But here Jesus talks about fruit inspection. He says, by their fruits you shall know them. Now, of course, he says this in regard to false prophets. Now, I thank God today for the Internet. Uh, To me, I consider the Internet a major invention. Some people would even call it a series of inventions. It's a great thing. A lot of good can be done as a result of the Internet. But I'm also aware of the fact that a lot of bad things happen on the Internet as well. We have things like uh, computer hacking, and we have uh, people... uh, engaging in child pornography and other kinds of pornography on the Internet. There's a lot of bad, evil stuff that takes place on the Internet, but it's also a good place in which to preach and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's a good place in which to proclaim 
the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. I thank God for that. Uh, the ministry of Sunshine USA, for the most part, as it is as it exists today, would not be possible without the internet. So a lot of great things and good things could be done through the internet. But just as I can preach the truth of God's word on the internet, I know that there's a lot of people who are teaching false doctrine on the internet. Uh, I thank God for Christian radio and Christian television, Christian radio in particular. In fact, when I was in seminary, I was introduced to the ministry of Christian radio. The seminary I went to, New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary, they operated a radio station called WBSN-FM, which they still own and operate. Now it's known as Life Songs Radio. So it gave me a love for Christian radio. Later, I, I would start working at another Christian radio station in New Orleans called WSHO. That station is still on the air today. And it's still on the air as a Christian radio station. I thank God for that. But I also know that on Christian radio, you will sometimes find those who are teaching false doctrine. Jesus said, by their fruit you shall know them. Now, when you listen to a preacher, whether it be a pastor or an evangelist, or you're listening to another preacher on radio or television or the Internet, you should always do so with an open Bible. And you need to see whether or not what they say lines up with the Word of God. Now, if it lines up with the Word of God, they're a great preacher. If they're not a great preacher, then what they say is not going to line up with the Word of God. I, I can recall last night I was listening to a preacher preach on a one of these big Christian television networks. And his whole message was on blessing, but he defined blessing as meaning only one thing, and that is financial blessing. Now, as I pointed out, I believe in yesterday's broadcast, God doesn't promise to make you a millionaire. Now, this, this preacher I was listening to last night his teaching was, if you're saved, if you know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, he's going to make you a millionaire. You know? But that's not what the Bible teaches. Now, the Bible does say that God will take care of any and all needs that we have. And most of the time, if we're honest, we would have to admit that the Lord gives us a whole lot more than just what we need. But he doesn't necessarily promise to make us a millionaire. In other words, this guy was teaching it, and he probably didn't even realize this, but what he was teaching was that your bank account determines your relationship to God. And that is completely false. That is totally contrary to what the Bible teaches. Now, some of you might say, well, who was this preacher? I'm not going to say on the radio. 
I don't mention names on the radio. A lot of good reasons for that. Number one, I don't want to be sued. <laughs> and number two, I don't think it's especially important that I actually name this particular preacher. Many of you would know who he was if I did. But I can warn you of the fact that there's a lot of wolves in sheep's clothing out there. There's a lot of people out there who are teaching things that are totally contrary to what the Word of God has to say. They are wolves in sheep's clothing. I heard yesterday, and you can tell I listen to a lot of preachers. I listened to a preacher yesterday, who, by the way, has been in heaven since 1995. But I was listening to this one preacher, and he said that when he became a pastor, there was, I think he said, 11 people in town that he considered to be great, outstanding Christians. He said, unfortunately, in at least half of these cases, he said, I was later proven, it was later proven to me that these guys were not who I thought they were. In effect, they turned out to be wolves in sheep's clothing. A lot of people talk a good talk, but when you look at their lives, you see there's a big difference between what they say and what they do. The other day, someone paid me a compliment. This was someone who basically is one of my neighbors, and they say, you seem to be the same person on, in person as you are on the radio. That made me feel good. I, I was glad that this person could say that. Because that's certainly what I aim to be. I try very hard to make sure that I practice what I preach. When you listen to me teach the Bible on the internet or the radio, I want you to hear that what I say correctly lines up with the Word of God. But I also know I'm not perfect. <laughs> I'm not perfect. I have to battle that old sin nature every day just like you do. See, the truth of the matter is, when we got saved, when we came to know Christ as Savior, He saved us, He gave us a brand new life, but He did not eradicate that old sin nature. We don't get rid of that until the day we die. And so I don't stand before you in front of this radio mic as a person who is uh, totally perfect all the time. I wish I could say that, but I can't. But I can tell you my desire is to practice what I preach and to live as much like God as I possibly can. That's my desire. When you look at me, and you look at me real closely, I hope that what you see is the real deal. I mean, I couldn't live with myself any other way. You see, being a preacher of the gospel, whether you're getting up in front of a pulpit preaching, or whether you get behind a radio microphone like I do, 
Preaching the word of God is an awesome responsibility. I want to get it right. To me, that's very important. Now, that also means that sometimes I have to teach things that are not popular. But I have to say it anyway because I wouldn't be doing my job as a preacher if I did it any other way. But I, I said all of that to simply say this, and that is the fact that there is the danger of false teaching. Now, um, the other thing I want to say is that we have to realize and understand that there are a lot of Bibles out there. Now, I could stir up a hornet's nest if I wanted to here, but there are a lot of Bibles out there. Some of them are more trustworthy than others. There are some versions of the Bible, which I believe are really more of a perversion than a version. Now, one of the things you'll notice is that when I preach from the Bible on this radio broadcast, I preach from only one version, and that's the King James Version. Now, I won't say that it's the only version of the Bible out there, but I do believe it to be the most accurate. I do believe it to be the most reliable. And generally, when I'm preaching, whether it's on the radio or in person, I preach only from one version, and that is the King James Version. I believe that is the version for me. If you look at other versions of the Bible, just let me tell you, some versions of the Bible are more accurate than others. And some versions of the Bible present a message that is totally different than what the Bible actually says. Says And so when you're reading different Bible versions, uh, you have to be real careful. One of the things you want to look for is to see how was that version of the Bible translated. Was it translated from another version? Or was it translated from the original Greek and Hebrew? You see, that's a very important point. Because we know that the... Old Testament was originally written in Hebrew. The New Testament originally written in Greek. Now, I know we have Bible scholars today that point out that the original autographs or the original manuscripts don't exist, and that's true. But because of what we discovered in Qumran at the Dead Sea Scrolls, we found that what we do have is astonishingly accurate. There might be some punctuation differences, but that's about it. But a true good version of the Bible will always be translated from the original Greek and Hebrew. And if not, you need to stay away from it. Now, one, one uh, version of the Bible that my parents gave me for Christmas one year was the Living Bible. Now, the Living Bible is okay considering 
the purpose for which it was written. The Living Bible was a paraphrase by Ken Taylor. And Ken Taylor would have been the first to admit that what he wrote is not a new translation of the Bible. It is a paraphrase, and he wrote it only for one reason. He wanted to present the Bible in a writing and a style that his kids could understand. And I think that was a noble reason. But I certainly would not get my doctrine from the Living Bible. I would prefer to get it, in my case, from the King James Version. Amen. Amen. Well, let's read on a little bit further here. Let's uh, take a look at um, Matthew chapter 7, verses 21, 22, and 23. He says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? In thy name have we not cast out devils? And in thy name done many wondrous, wonderful works? And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Now I tell you, <laughs> there's a lot of people out there, this verse ought to scare the daylights out of you. What did Jesus say here? He says, not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, is going to heaven. They're not one of my people just because they, they talk about the Bible and other religious things. Not in a million years. <laughs> I think it's going to be astonishing one of these days how many preachers end up going to hell. I heard one time about a pastor who got saved after more than 10 years in pastoral ministry. Now, on one side of the coin, I applaud the fact that he got saved. I think that's a wonderful thing. But I hate to think about the fact here he was pastoring a church when he himself was not saved. When he himself did not know Jesus Christ as his Savior during the first 10 years of his pastorate. How sad. That means that during that first 10 years, there's no way he could have been correctly teaching the Bible. Because he himself was not a true believer. Think about all the people that were falsely taught and misled during the first 10 years that this pastor was a pastor. Now, of course, you've got to realize, too, there were a lot of people in that church when he made that confession. There was a lot of people in that church that said, well, if he's been misleading us for 10 years, how can we know that even now he's correctly leading us? Now, needless to say, his admission caused the kind of problems that pretty quickly made it necessary for him to resign. By the way, I think that was a good decision on his part to resign. 
because now that he's a Christian, he has to go back and be properly discipled. And then maybe after that, he can be once again used of God to pastor a church or be an evangelist or do whatever God lays it on his heart to do. But Jesus himself says here, not everybody that says unto me, Lord, Lord, is entering into the kingdom of heaven. It lets us know that preachers can do a lot of stuff in the ministry without necessarily being saved. For example, I know preachers that have a great social ministry. They have a great ministry to the poor. They have a great ministry to the homeless. But that doesn't mean for one minute that they are saved and know Christ as their Lord and Savior. Now we're going to get into the last few verses in this particular chapter. And to be honest with you, when I did my final preparation for this message this morning, I was trying to decide whether to include this next group of verses in the Bible study for today or whether I would use that for... Uh, the next broadcast, but I, I felt like if I did that, we wouldn't have as much material to go over in the next broadcast. So let's take a look for a moment. Matthew chapter 7, and we're going to take a look at um, verses 24 through 29. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken unto him or liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and it beat upon the house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And every one that, that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And it came to pass, when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority, and not as the scribes. Amen. <laughs> now, here Jesus talks about two men that each built a house. One was smart and intelligent, and he built his house upon a rock. His house had a firm, strong foundation. And when the storms of life came, it stood, and it didn't fall. Now, this lets us know that a great building has a great foundation. Now, I don't know a lot about the construction business. I really don't. <laughs> In my earlier days, I did a limited amount of construction, most of it construction cleanup work, but I've seen a lot of building construction going on in my day, and even where I live now, they're building some townhomes across the street from where I live. And most every day I'll go outside for a little while and I'll take a look and watch them building these townhomes. 
And in the process, once again, I've learned a lot about construction. I, I love to watch home and garden television, HGTV. And, you know, on that network, you know, they build and remodel a lot of houses. Once again, through that process, I've learned a lot about construction. One of the things I've learned is that if a building is going to stand for any length of time, it has to be built on a strong, sturdy foundation. If not, eventually that building is going to collapse. And then we know that other people are like the foolish man mentioned here, which built his house on the sand. Basically, the house this man built had no foundation at all. Now, I'm sure that initially, the house this man built on sand, it looked just as nice as the house that was built on the rock. The difference was because that house was built on the sand, the house had no foundation, and when the storms of life came, the rain and the wind and the hail and the tornadoes and everything else, it couldn't stand. Why? Because it was not built on a foundation. And it was utterly destroyed. Now there's a great application here for those today who are trying to live the Christian life. In order for you to be successful in life, no matter what you end up doing, you have to have the proper foundation. Now I thank God for the fact that my parents saw the wisdom of me being brought up in a Christian home. They didn't just send me to church, they took me to church with them. And as a result, I was exposed to great biblical teaching. This in turn has provided me a great foundation. Now, of course, I've had storms in my life, just like many of you have had storms in your life. We can't do anything about that. The storms are going to come, whether you're a Christian or even if you're not a Christian. We're all going to face the storms of life. But here's the deal. We can make sure that we have built our lives on the proper foundation. I, I read a very sad statistic not too long ago. It said that something like 70% of high school students that are currently involved in the youth ministry of their church, 70% of those people are probably going to leave the church when they get old enough to make that decision. And part of the reason for that, I believe, is the fact that they don't have the proper foundation. I think it's very important for every Christian to know what they believe and why. Now, one of the things that I have seen over the years, now I, I chose to go to a Christian college. In fact, I ended up going to a couple of Christian colleges. And I thank God for that. But now, I, I, I have known some people in my lifetime who went to Christian college and it wrecked their faith. Because they went to a Christian college which taught things 
totally different than what they grew up with. And as a result, it wrecked their faith. And the reason it wrecked their faith is they went to college without the proper biblical foundation. Teenagers need to be taught what they believe and why. It's very important that teenagers today be taught basic Bible doctrine. This is actually much more important than simply having a good recreational program. I know some churches today where the youth director, who in many cases is uh, almost as young as the people that he's leading, he's very good at planning uh, outside activities and recreation for the young people, but not very good when it comes to teaching biblical doctrine. And if young people go off to college and they're not grounded properly in the Word of God, it's going to wreck their faith. I'm telling you right now, it's going to wreck their faith. And so the best thing that you can do as a Christian parent is to see to it that your um, um, kids are grounded in their faith. They know not only what they believe, but why they believe what they believe. Amen. Now that brings us to the end of Matthew chapter 7. Notice it says here the people at the end of that sermon series, they were astonished at what Jesus had to say because he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. When Jesus got finished, the people had no doubt that they had been correctly taught the word of God. They were astonished. No doubt about it, many lives were changed forever as a result of that Sermon on the Mount. And even today, the Sermon on the Mount continues influencing a lot of people. Because the book of Matthew records the Sermon on the Mount in its entirety. And by the way, it's the only one of the four Gospels that does that. Now you will find bits and pieces of the Sermon on the Mount in the other Gospels, but not the Sermon on the Mount in its entirety the way you do in Matthew. And, and like I've said before, I believe the Sermon on the Mount was actually a series of sermons and not just one sermon. And I say that primarily because of the number of topics that are dealt with here. I mean, <laughs> if I had the time, I could preach for hours on the different topics mentioned here in the Sermon on the Mount. If you were to go back and look at all the archived broadcasts of Sunshine USA dealing with the Sermon on the Mount, you would find several hours of biblical teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. So I tend to believe this was a series of sermons and not just um, a single sermon. But I recognize there are differences of opinion there. I don't claim infallibility on that particular point. 
When I get to heaven, I may realize, hey, it was a single sermon. Okay, amen. <laughs> that makes it even better. And by the way, for the benefit of those of you that are young preachers and you're listening to this broadcast, your goal as a minister should be so much more than just being an informative, entertaining preacher. You want to be a preacher who indeed and in fact teaches the Word of God. Amen. Uh, I tell you folks, uh, I've thoroughly enjoyed our time together today on this uh, particular broadcast. I look forward to every day, usually in the morning. Usually uh, it's around 8.30 to 9.30 on weekday mornings that I'm recording this particular broadcast. And I look forward to it greatly. Now, uh, many of you might wonder, why do I do this? Well, my voice, for one thing, is stronger in the morning than it is any other time of the day. My hearing is a little bit better in the morning than it is any other time of the day. I'm really at peak performance in the morning when I typically record this broadcast from 8.30 a.m. to 9.30 a.m., roughly, give or take a few minutes. Uh, now, by the way, yesterday on the broadcast, at the end of the broadcast, you might have heard uh, an alarm going off, and it was an alarm. Uh, it was the fire alarm that we have here in our apartment building, and they had started testing the fire alarm system in this building. And uh, that loud, that alarm is loud. I'm half deaf and I heard it fine. <laughs> and you might have heard it too during the closing minutes of the broadcast yesterday. But um, some of you have contacted me to ask, what was that? <laughs> well, now you know the rest of the story. Well, anyway, if you have a Bible study question or if you have a prayer request, the best way to do that is by email. My email address is warrenlandis at yahoo.com or you can contact me at my other email address which is warrenlandis at gmail.com. All lowercase, both of them, all lowercase. Very simple, very easy. Now, if you want to contact me by snail mail, the old-fashioned, old-school way, you could do that too. My snail mail address is warrenlandis. 80 Thruston Street, apartment 8510, Greenville, South Carolina, 29605. That's Warren Landis, 80 Thruston Street, T-H-R-U-S-T-O-N, 80 Thruston Street, apartment 8510, Greenville, South Carolina, 29605. Now, it's very important that you put the correct apartment number on there because if you don't, I won't get it. Now, when you fill out that envelope, if you feel led of the Lord to enclose a financial contribution, that would be great as well. And once again, I can assure you that every gift that you give to Sunshine USA, it's very wisely and very conservatively used. I myself do not receive a salary for doing this broadcast. I do it only for one reason, because I love God and because I love you. And that's the only reason I have for doing it. I consider this to be a labor of love. 
And I can assure you, we use very, very wisely any financial contributions that you send our way. And none of it goes to me. It all goes into the ministry. Amen. Well, I've enjoyed being with you today. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. And until next time, this is Warren Landis saying goodbye. God bless you. And I'll see you next time on Sunshine USA.